The IMG Roadmap is the only podcast dedicated to coaching international medical graduates and success blueprints for this unique pathway. I am Dr. Nina Loom, your host, a previous IMG turned hospital medicine physician, healthcare administrator, speaker, and coach. I empower, encourage, and equip you with actionable steps that you can take towards the residency position of your dreams. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the IMG Roma podcast. I feel like that's my opening line every week and I need to work on something different. But until then, I'm presenting to you today, uh, Dr. Ayo, who's out in the California area. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Ayo. Hi, it's my pleasure. It's my honor, in fact. Well, you'll have to tell us, and, but first, tell us more about yourself, like your name, where you practice, where you train right now, where you went to medical school, that kind of demographic information. Right, sure. Um, Dr. Ayo Moli, but most people call me Ayo, and I prefer to go by that. Um, so I graduated in 2015 from Zaporozhye State Medical University in Ukraine, and uh after that, um, I spent a year between 2016 and 17 in Nigeria. Uh, I was practicing and uh, I was doing my housemanship or this one year internship, which is like um, a thing you must do. I mean, it's just like the program there. And thereafter I came to the US 2017 and then took uh, three couple of years to prepare and take the exams and apply. And then I got matched in Adventist Health Family Medicine Residency here in California. And um, it, was, it was a big deal because I think here in California, just about 3% non-US IMGs were matched. So it was like the biggest thing that's happened to me in my life. And this happened in 2020 when things were going bad. So I'm just saying it, it was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Like you, like you said, you know, California, it's, it's a very uh, highly desirable state to work and live in uh, for most people. So when it comes to even us as physicians, we want to go to California, but then as IMGs, we encounter a lot of sort of roadblocks, whether it's with licensing, um, with positions being offered and you know, they, the competition is even higher because you have several medical schools in that area mm-hmm. that put out residents and students each year. So mm-hmm. congratulations. That's amazing. Oh, my word. Yeah, it is. I, I, I'm grateful, really. Beyond words, it is the biggest thing that happened to me. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. So, you know, tell us a little bit about what your medical education was like. You said you went to medical school in the Ukraine. You're yes. originally from Nigeria, though. Is that correct? And yes, that's correct. Okay. So can you walk us through medical school and that transition to the States? Sure, absolutely. So, I mean, medical school, um, graduated in 2015. And uh, if there's anything I have to say that is very pertinent, so I'm not a stellar student. I'm not an A student. I don't even think I'm like the B racker or something. I, I get Bs, but... I, I barely, you know, I just want to pass and go. And um, it's not out of um, um, levity or anything, but I'm just saying, sometimes you do your best, it doesn't always come out. I mean, when you compare with others, or it's not, it's not um, you know, 
as the, the standard is, but still you're doing just well enough to just pass everything and um, you're not below standard. I mean, the school says you're good and, uh, and then you're good to go. And uh, I always did my best all the time, but I was never a stellar student. Um, graduated, then went to Nigeria. And uh, Nigeria also did the same. Also passed all my exams. I mean, did all the work I should do, but still not a stellar student. You know what I'm saying? I'm not racking all the A's or A plus or uh, no gold certificate or anything like that. And then um, came here to uh, the United States after a year of uh, experience in Nigeria. And then um, the transition was um, quite, um, quite uh, stark because I was new to the system. I didn't know I was gonna even practice here in the United States. I came here due to uh, extenuating circumstances, um, personal circumstances. And when I got here, I realized the next thing I had to do was take the exams. And so I had no idea about um, how important scores were. And this is being honest, I, I, I was with nobody who had taken this exam before. I'd only heard of people who had taken these exams. I'd only um, you know, uh, spoken to a few people because um, I had a, the Nigerian community and well, many Nigerians are doctors, but they've taken the exams years ago, like they, they've been practicing for like 10, 20, 20 years plus. They'll tell me, okay, just take the exam and just pass it. I'm like, okay, just take it and pass it with the same, with the same um, level of enthusiasm I take every other exam just to pass it. And, you know, but I didn't know the scores were really important here. And so I took my step one, um, took my step two, um, and uh, took, uh, had a second attempt on my step two CS. And then I moved to my step three. And then I applied for the match. Even Throughout taking the exams, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't even know what is the match. I didn't know what match looked like. I didn't know what's, what, what is the match. NRNP, ERAS, people explained to me, and it was like, on, is unable, I was just unable to grasp the whole concept. That was quite a transition. Yeah, I mean, definitely sounds like it. You know, and I relate with you in not understanding the match and the concept of an algorithm and maybe, you know, with the possibility of chance, right? Right. Because, you know, I came from a society maybe much like yours where it's supposedly merit-based where it's like here you get it or you don't because X, Y, Z. But when you move to the States at first, it, you know, you're met with different organizational um uh, bodies like the EZFMG, the NBME, which is the National Board of Medical Examiners, as sponsors the USMLE, right. and then you learn about ERAS, and then you learn about the AAMC, and then you have to learn about the NRMP, which is the National Residency Match Program. So, and they're all different websites, you know. For oh, us, they, they all—they're just websites, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These are these are offices with humans that work in them, just located all over the country, <laughs> and they all—it's just like a large network that intertwines with one another, and you can't get to become a physician without having worked with either one of these in some capacity. Right. That's true. That's true they're all they're all equally as important and right. you, can't, you can't do without any one of them right 
So how did you, how did you fix that problem? Not knowing, um, it sounds like, you know, you're highlighting something, maybe a deficit in knowledge to a usual process for Americans, uh, graduates, but not very obvious for non-American grads. Um, and I get these, I get this question often through just random emails from, uh, you know, foreign doctors that are questioning whether to attempt to uh, train in the States. And it's usually, wh- where do I start, right? Like, it, it's just, it's an overwhelm, sort of. So how did you um, deal with that and, and decide to start educating yourself on not only just the medical side, but, okay, what organizations do I need to be certified and credentialed by? Right. I mean, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts and I'm um, being honest, sometimes I feel like you're saying the same thing all over and all over again because people ask the same questions all over and all over again. And without question, in retrospect now, I feel like if I was just coming into this, I'm probably going to ask the same question also. How do I get it? What should I do? <laughs> but in retrospect, I'm seeing like it's actually, um, it's not that convoluted. It's actually a straight line of things you need to do. But it's just because you have to touch base with certain websites or at least certain comp or certain uh, bodies. That's why it seems like it's a lot. First, it's easy. Apply. You want to, you want to get certified in the United States, um, the ECFMG. So you apply. To get certified for that, you need to take the three exams. Or, I mean, you need to take um, the step one, step two. So you're applying at ECFMG, or at least you open an ECFMG account, and you're applying to be certified. For you to be certified, the requirement is to get some papers from your school and then to take the three exams, step one, step two, and the CS. Period. Once you get that done, you can now apply for the match. And that's just it. Yeah. I mean, in retrospect, it was, it's, I mean, in retrospect now, it seems like it's really straightforward, but... I mean, trying to fill in those forms online. I mean, I don't know about you, Nina, but when I was filling the ECFMD forms, I felt like I was taking an exam. How was that for you? Right, yeah. I felt like they're asking for too much, right? You know, I felt they want all this information, and especially when they ask for documentation. And if your medical school is located, you know, outside of the state, or if you had any part of your training, like, you know, in another country, separate from where you attended medical school, it's like you have to verify any undergraduate studies and any prior a medical prior uh, medical education. So mm-hmm. it's collecting information from multiple sources to build up that ECFMG file. But the good thing about it is, so once you create it, it's there forever. Because really, for those listening who always wonder what this ECFMG thing is about. Look at ECFMG as the central credentialing um, institution for every foreign, uh, every foreign trained physician. So they are basically taking all your work that you've done as far as your degrees, diplomas, achievements, and they translate that to American, basically. So they're saying, hey, this person has met all the criteria that is set forth by the United States to um, practice medicine here in here. And so what are those things? They want you to prove this and prove that and bring your transcripts and bring your USMLE performance and all of that. Because once they certify you, that basically means every time thereafter that you 
look for a job or you apply for anything within the U.S. healthcare arena, Mm-hmm. you've been cleared to do that as a physician in the States because you're right. Right. so I think that's really sort of like an umbrella way of understanding that organization for anybody right. that's listening right now and has just sort of had that kind of moment where you're like I don't really understand what this is about because when you first apply it may appear that it's just to get your exam sorted out but no yeah, it's not just for that. True. Right. Even till date when I apply for a job or I, you know, choose to obtain credentials at a hospital or a medical license in another state, my ECFMG status is still what they look at. Wow. So it follows you everywhere. That certificate. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, that certificate is like power. It has so much power because they don't ask you for any other information. Um, your transcripts, nobody cares about your transcripts once you become a physician. And so it's really, do you have an ECFMG certificate? That's the question. And then everything else that your U.S. counterparts would provide, which is, you know, whatever procedure logs or whatever else is needed for the job. Um, right. But yeah, that becomes your little passport that says, hey, I'm certified. I'm good. Um, nothing else. They figure it out with the ECFMG. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Well, Let's and I think we've we've broken down that concept for most everyone that's listening, and I'm sure everybody is at this point is like Dr. Loom, we'd like to hear about you know Dr. Ayo's story and not necessarily the processes behind the AZFMG. So let's come back to you. Um, you know, I sent I sent you this uh sort of QA because I like to follow a certain format with the podcast sometimes, but you know, we get carried away and that's fine. Um, and one of the things that I like to find out from IMGs is because I seem to really be able to reach people who have challenges that they feel like are unique to them. But the mm-hmm. more people I interview, I realize like our challenges are just very similar, but just they're individualized for lack of better words. Right. So I asked you this question. I asked, you know, hey, what are some things that you overcame as an IMG? Because there's always somebody out there that can relate with it. Right. I think one of the few things uh, I spoke about in that was um, uh, finances. Without question, uh, when you come to the United States for the first time, finance is going to be a big deal for you. And um, I had to work when I got here. And I um, I worked at, um, what's it called? Uh, well, as a customer <laughs> sales representative at... Um, Walgreens, yeah. So I was doing that while I was studying, and I was uh, I tried to save all my money as I can, um, every every single dime of it. Um, for like three years, almost three years, I didn't buy a new pair of shoes or shirt or anything. Um, it's something I I don't think I've ever said to anyone, but but that was a fact. Um, I had to save everything because I I mean, I didn't have any other source of income. Um, so that was probably one of the things I had to, like, uh, I, I had to buckle down on because it was a real challenge for me. Um, getting letters of recommendations and looking for, um, observership, um, those things are a big deal. And, um, I'm grateful, like, uh, so I come from a family where my dad's a doctor, by the way, in Nigeria, and he has friends who at the time he graduated, some of them moved outside of the country. And we have some of them here in the United States. And so he was able to make at least one phone call. So 
I was just able to like shadow this man. I didn't I, shadow, observe, you know, and he was very kind to me. And he also uh, gracefully wrote me letters of recommendation and, uh, you know, probably pulled one or two strings and asked one of his friends to write me a letter of recommendations. Now, this is not something that can happen all the time, but I mean, this happened to me and right. it was it was a huge, big deal because, I mean, how else would I have found somewhere? I, I looked up places online, um, other places, I think, uh, some, just some places where you have to pay some certain amount of money and these guys were asking for four thousand dollars five thousand dollars i'm like this is what i i saved in the last year <laughs> so anyways um so it was a lot of money and i was i'm so grateful that we had someone here on the inside who could just who i could shadow and um so that was a big deal and uh also i think another thing was uh, another challenge for me was finding people around me who are going through the same process so i didn't have that um i was just with my family i was amongst a community of nigerians um but they were all non-medical at least or they were at least nurses or they were not uh, in the same um journey as i was in and so the advices i was getting were, were a little bit subpar um, they were all about pass the exam just pass it you know it's all about passing it so i'm not like okay let's just pass it you know, and, you know, thereafter, I, after I got to the press of matching, that was when I knew the importance of the numbers, or at least the, um, uh, the scores, yeah. So I think those were my major um, challenges, because I, I don't think I had anyone from my school who had gone through the same process, at least that would have been a proxy, someone to talk to, like, hey, I'm going through this now, could you um, help me go through this? I didn't have anyone from there. Um, but that, and that's the reason why I'm actually coming out. And that's the reason why I'm trying to be as open as possible to reach out to as many people as possible also. And I'm glad you created this platform, um, uh, Dr. Loom, because this is, this is very helpful. And um, more people can know about, uh, you know, have more exposure and know how to go through this. Yeah. Right. It'll be great to share this podcast with folk from your school in case Absolutely. there's somebody else that wants to hop on the band on the bandwagon. So let's let's talk about some things here. So you know, currently you're a family medicine resident at yes. Edmund Health Hanford in California, but you went to medical school in Ukraine. And yes. I like that you highlighted some things which really revolve around um, learning the importance of preparing for the steps maybe differently or how these scores sort of follow you when it comes into time for residency application. So kind of like, you know, if you could give advice to yourself um, or to your younger self, knowing what you know now, being in the position that you're in, um, because yeah. this is it for you, right? Like you're already in, it's only uphill from here, right? I, so, yeah, I, so yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I remember when I was a family medicine resident and I had no clue how great my life was going to turn out. Oh, wow. So that's why okay. I'm saying it's only uphill from here. And I mean, I mean that in the humblest way ever. Like, a okay. life is pretty sweet. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, but that being said, you know, humble brag moment behind us. Um, yeah, can you look back and just kind of speak to that person that's at your state medical university in Ukraine right now that is thinking about embarking on this journey and they have no clue 
how important it is, how their performance um, should uh, be, what their performance should be, and, you know, what kind of letters they should be looking for, what quality experiences they should be looking for. Can you just speak to that person a little bit? Sure. Um, I'm just going to give you a couple tips. Um, if you're trying to get into the United States, uh, trying to go through all this process, just understand that it's a marathon and not a sprint. Um, even just to just to get ECFMG, just to get the the just to start the process of registering on ECFMG takes time, and just remember it takes a long time. I I don't know of anyone who's gotten through all of this within a year or two years. Maybe there are people I don't know, um, but it takes it takes some time. But think about it that it might cost you two years um, from the moment when you open your book or the moment when you register to the point where you match could take you about two years. I don't know about, about many other people. Uh, it's also a costly process. Um, so strategize, which I'm grateful that I, I did. Um, try to save as much money as you can. You don't need the, the Gucci bag yet. Like Dr. Nulum said, is your life is gonna get better at the end of it. The, the money I've made right now is, um, is much more than how much I saved for the last two, three years. Like, it's there's a stark difference. So just save all of that. Whatever you're making now, save it. Use it for trying to get in. Um, strategize. For the exams, I'd say, like, focus on understanding um, rather than memorizing, except for step one. Step one, you might need to do a little bit more memorizing. But now that it's been changed to pass or fail, I think you should just focus more on understanding rather than memorizing because, uh, Pass or fail is a good thing. Um, scores don't matter as much as attempts do, um, in my opinion. So uh, I think you should focus on, you know, getting it right on first attempt rather than getting um, attempts um, and uh, great scores. Maybe some for some people that's a different case. Um, also, I'll say to myself that the exams are a means to an end. So if I pass a, a test and I'm so grateful about it, I'm so joyous, I'm you know, happy and excited, I just need to understand that that's just one step into the next exam, I'll take another one, or the point of taking the exam is to match. Um, mm. So even if you pass the exams or even if I did, I was happy at some point, I, was, I think that's what made me I was too excited, and then I went into the CS with levity. Um, I, I think you shouldn't take any exam lightly. Um, the exams are standardized, standardized exams. I wouldn't say they're easy, but they're all doable if you um, give the time to it. And uh, also, I'd say to myself, for interviews, um, you need luck. Also, luck, luck plays a huge role. Um, let's say if you can study with groups, um, that would be very helpful. And um, yeah, you know what, um, Nina, can I add this also? Uh, yeah. There, there um, people I was studying with that are still studying till today for step one. Oh, wow. Now, it's not as if these guys are not intelligent or anything, but the thing is, they didn't get an exam date. So I'd say if you should do anything, get an exam date before you start studying, because that's the only way you're going to double down on your work. Even if you're tired, you're going to study because you know that that day is coming. 
but if you don't have a date, you will study forever. You're gonna, whatever can take you like six months to study, you're gonna take it for 12 months or even a, uh, two years just because you're taking your time. So get a date, please, if you can get a date before studying, get one. Um, search for free resources. I did, I, did most, I did that most of the time, going on Facebook pages, Telegram pages, um, anything you can get for free, get it. You wanna save as much money as you can. I'd say to myself, um, stay optimistic, you know? Um, yeah, and avoid negativity. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I like that. Avoid negativity. Yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, those are some solid points that you mentioned because, um, it, you know, this process varies from person to person. And the reason I like to invite, you know, just different people of just different backgrounds, different uh, perspectives on here is your perspective is valid and you are the only one that carries that. And sometimes there may be one other person out there for whom this information is highly pertinent to. Right. You know, right. and mine could be slightly different and it's highly pertinent to another person. And so that's mm -hmm. what we love about this podcast is we have a variety of opinions. Yeah. Um, and um, in my experience, you know, I've noticed that uh, attempts on step one are, you know, they're frowned upon, but the one area I've seen it kind of work to the person's benefit is when they do exceptionally well when they mm -hmm. at the repeat because that says a lot more than just barely passing on your second attempt mm -hmm. so you know obviously what we're sending out today as a message is guys you know work hard on the front end put yourself under pressure set a deadline by picking a date for your exam and then buckle down and do your dedicated study period Period. And when you're doing that, remember fairly well that your goal is to pass on first attempt. Now, some resources that you can consider to use um, are, you know, whatever Q bank you want. But remember to incorporate those National Board of Medical Examiner forms because yep. those are questions written by the same folk that write the USMLE exam. Sure. So, you know, you're doing basically sort of a mock exam or a drill of what your real exam could potentially look like. Obviously, it's never the same as the real exam, but it's fairly close. Sure. So just something for y'all to think about while you listen today. Um, really, in preparing, deadlines are key because once you set yourself a deadline, you have nothing else to do but to achieve it. When it's open and just left to chance, you're less likely to put in any amount of effort or time or even create a plan around it. So True. then at that point, you're more likely to not achieve your goal in a timely manner because there was no pressure. I think True. that's why in school we had exams because each semester ended with a big test and that applied pressure for us to be able to prove ourselves to move on to the next class. So the same thing should apply when your education is sort of in your hands. When you get to decide how your career is going to move forward, you should apply deadlines. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I really like that you brought that uh, you brought that up as something that you know you would tell your younger self because I feel like that's really really very important information. Yeah. So you know another thing um, that I like to to do, and which with this community that you know we've created over this year with the IMG roadmap, um, is community, especially for IMGs because it's such an isolating journey. 
Um, like in your case, you said, you know, there was no one from your school who had done this. And so it's like, who do you look up to, right? True. And now, you know, you've charted a territory, a path, and, and somebody else is going to look up to you. And because of you, probably your school is now recognized by the ACFMG or, or uh, registered with the ACFMG because they had to send that first transcript. And so, you know, what you've done, it goes much, much more further than you can ever imagine, um, because there will always forever be a graduate from your school from Ukraine um, in the States. And that means it, it increases the likelihood of the next person coming after you and doing this. So, you know, what are your, some, some of your advice for finding, um, you know, people that are, like IMGs who are listening right now, where do they go for for that community? Where do they find that community? Mm, where do you go for community? Hmm. I'd say, um, so Facebook, Facebook, you can't do without Facebook. Facebook has created like, it has made the world smaller in the real sense of the word. Like you can meet people from anywhere. Actually, all the people I studied with, I met them on either Facebook or links from Facebook that took us to maybe Telegram or WhatsApp and or Instagram. And I, I think you should really look at Facebook. And the moment you start, um, you know, looking for things like USMLE, Step One Group, stuff like that, over time, Facebook will understand that that's what you're looking for. And they're going to keep suggesting more groups to you. And you're going to find that you will meet people through there. I remember how I started for my step two CS on second attempt. I met people through Facebook and then we started making communities on, on uh, Skype. And then I could just log in on Skype right now. I'd be like, I'm available. Who is there? And someone's just going to be like, yeah, I'm available. Let's go. And then we start practicing on, um, you know, on Skype. Uh, I would say Facebook is a very, um, is an almost indispensable um, resource right now. We, you need it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, talking about Facebook, so I've attempted to make a Facebook group in the past um, for IMGs. And I guess it's just something that I've not kind of dedicated myself to, but I'm working on something um, which I hope to launch in the near future. So everybody listening, just keep your ears and eyes peeled for this because I'm working on a more dedicated platform, which would, you know, connect IMGs in a free manner, but highly exclusive so that we can, you know, vet who's on there and, and, and whatnot. But, right. you know, it, that's something that's definitely in the works. Cause I, I agree with you. There's definitely a lack of, you know, finding quality people. Cause it's really just not about finding any IMG. You don't want to find somebody who is, doesn't have a deadline, doesn't have a plan, is nonchalant right. about things or has other priorities. That's not what you need. You need right. people that are willing to apply pressure people that are, you know, set themselves to higher standards, set deadlines, people like Dr. Ayo, who are telling you exactly what they would do, sacrifice shopping and, and everything else to save towards their goal. Um, you need that mindset because that definitely is a growth mindset looking forward to, you know, the things that they're going to achieve in the future um, as opposed to just the now. So definitely thanks for that tip um, on, on Facebook group. So, you know, I usually like to ask, you know, personal questions. Well, not so personal, but we like to know kind of, you know, some of your interests um, outside of medicine. Um, actually, I'm a very 
um, extroverted person. So uh, anything that makes me connect with people. So I, you would, you're going to, mo you're more likely going to see me talking with someone rather than me being on my phone. Cause I just meet people on the street and just start a conversation. Of course, now we're doing the social distancing thing, but you wear a mask, but then you just start a conversation just like that. And on a flight, I mean, we, I make friends every time I'm on the plane, like I, I get new phone numbers all the time. Um, and that's like, it's a, uh, it's a skill. I feel like it's dying these days, but it's something I, I enjoy doing talking with people and just understanding do you know, people have really interesting stories if you get to know them. And the good thing is when you meet people just one time, I like Americans for that, they go, they're going to tell you everything about your life. Usually. <laughs> and then you just find bizarre stories and be like, what this happened to you? And then um, like, for example, the first time I, I, I've heard, of, I've read about Meniere's syndrome or Meniere's disease, uh, the ear um, problem, whatever. Anyways, the first time I saw a patient with that, and that was not a patient, it was someone who sat beside me in the plane. And he told me about this. He didn't know I was a doctor. And when he told me that he has this condition, and then, and then every time the plane moved, he was going to grab on to anything. So it was, I looked at him like, are you okay? And then yeah, he was trying, trying to you know, play cool and all that. But then when I told him I was a doctor and I understood what was going on, he was so relaxed. And we spoke for like the whole um, one hour. It was a one hour flight. We spoke for like the whole hour and you know, he was so happy that um, you know, we could have the conversation and I was, I was actually um, thrilled to enjoy that. Um, also, on my free time, I, uh, I go to church. I'm a church person. I uh, play music, I play the guitar, I play the drums. I teach the drums, I teach the guitar. Um, I, I donate blood. Uh, intermittently i've not donated in like two years now <laughs> but i hope to donate later on um what else do i do uh, my free time uh, i sing i dance yeah basically yeah that's you're probably it. the first person that's told me that they donate blood in their free time <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a yeah. vampire <laughs> yeah, but i'm sure we all understand what that how that benefits people, especially in light of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, you were telling me something actually when we first started, before I started recording, how we met. Can you share that story? Because I felt like it just made me chuckle. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've been following you since I, I think at least a year now. And um, honestly, without question, it's been the most pleasurable ride because I mean, so many things that were pertinent to my experience was, you know, was what was said. I mean, I listened to this podcast with you and this program director. I'm so sorry, I don't know his name, That's but he was a program director, African-American. He just broke his knee, so he was taking a break. I think he was doing internal medicine, I don't know. Anyways, so he made some points about how to build your resume and how to appear at the interview and all of that. So. I just wrote all of that. I think I watched that podcast at least twice, at least twice. And that was the first time I heard the name Dr. Loom, you know, Instagram suggested the name to me. I was like, oh yeah, okay. She has all these things. And that time you were still the, the encouraging doc, I guess. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Exactly. So I was like scrolling through, I was like, oh my God, this is so important. So I followed immediately. I was like, 
you know, scrolling down through all the posts, like, yes, you can do this. And then truly the, 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 the encouraging doc, truly um, you embody that really without question. And um, that, was the, that was where I improved my resume. And I guess that was helpful uh, to get to this point. Yeah. Right. And for anyone wondering, if you go to my blog, drninaloom.com, you can find the same episode that um, Dr. Ayo is making reference to. And you, or you just type it into Google, type in Dr. Nina Loom and internal medicine program director, and you'll, it'll definitely come up um, as well. So thank you so much, Dr. Ayo, for coming on. I really enjoyed having this conversation with you in front of an audience of IMGs. Um, we wish you the very best. And I know that you'll come back around, especially once you're at, at the end of this training journey and you would probably have a different, different perspective at that point as well. So thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ryan. How can we find you though? Um, if anyone wants to connect with you thinking, Hey, I, you know, I want to connect with Dr. Ayo. I have a similar path. I'm from, you know, somewhere in Eastern Europe, but I'm trying to figure this out. Um, uh, what's your Instagram handle so we can link you up? Um, you can follow me on Instagram or just write me at that doctor, D-H-A-D-O-C-T-O-R, that doctor. Yeah, All right. Doctor. We'll have that in the or Just write my name. Yeah. Just write my name. A-Y-O-O-M-O-L-E. I mean, you should find me. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you.